Hi, my name is Christy, and you're listening to a public podcast. If you want more information about anything going on here at Public Church, visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. Hello, my name is uh, Nathan Eaton, in case you don't know who I am. I'm the uh, Sprouts and Roots Director uh, here at Public Church. And um, if you're a guest, then we want you to know that Sprouts is for birth through pre-K, and they meet upstairs uh, above us. And Roots is for kindergarten through fifth grade, and they meet next door in the annex. And so I have the, the privilege to, to lead our volunteer uh, serve team in these areas and get to work with just some amazing leaders. And so it's just a, a, a great thing every week just to walk through and you see smiling faces. You don't see you know, people frustrated or, or stressed. You see people who are smiling because they get to invest into the child that's in front of them. And not only do they get to pour into them and teach them about Jesus, but they believe that it is leading future generations as well to walk with Jesus. And so I'm just so blessed to get to see them each week. And um, I get to work closely with Colin Cook, who is our, our family's pastor, and he just does so many things for me, and he's covering for me today while I'm down here with you. And so I'm appreciative of that. And Last week, uh, Cody, who is our worship pastor, served in Sprouts in the 1130 hour, and so thankful that he got to, to step in there and, and get involved in that. And then today, actually in the 930, Todd Stevenson, who's our lead pastor, served in the two and three-year-olds. And so I heard that he, he just greatly enjoyed it. He said he wished I'd taught for like three hours. He wanted to spend that much time with the kids, and so he loved every bit of it. And I also have to say a huge thanks to Joe Parisi and Jeremy Tennant and their whole team because this past week, they restructured the first four rooms up there in our Sprouts area. And so if you're a parent or you're a volunteer, you're going to see it looks so much different now. And it has been such a blessing because it's allowed us just a, a better way to continue to serve our children here. And so they work just around the clock sometimes and worked so hard uh, to get this work done so that our children could be in these areas again today. So I just thank them so much. So here we are, we're in the middle of the Christmas season, and we're in the middle of a series called Joy. And our inspiration for this series comes from a message from an angel in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It'll be on the screen. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so we're in this season where we see joy all around us in many different ways. And maybe you're here today and you are experiencing joy because you graduated from college this weekend. Do we have any college graduates? Well, yeah, let's all give them a hand. So you worked so hard, and we're so proud of you for what you've accomplished, and so we celebrate this huge milestone, and so I know you're experiencing joy. And there's so many other ways that we can have joy. Maybe it's the Christmas traditions that you're looking forward to over the next week. We're nine days away. So maybe you're, yeah, some of you are like, I, who needs to start their Christmas shopping, all right? <laughs> Am I the only one? Okay, there's a few hands. So I'm, I'm not alone. So um, we just have a few more days, and maybe you find joy in that. I know that when I pull into Target and it's completely packed, I don't find a lot of joy in that moment because I think, oh, man, this is going to be difficult. Um, maybe you find joy in looking at Christmas lights and decorations and all that this time of year. Uh, maybe you enjoy putting up Christmas lights and decorations. I have come to learn that I like to look at the Christmas lights. I don't enjoy putting them up so much. Is anybody with me on that? 
Um, some other things that can bring us joy this time of year is Christmas movies. Uh, one of my favorites is the movie Elf. I mean, this is really good. Uh, another one is the classic Charlie Brown Christmas. It's one of my favorites. Um, one of the things that my wife and I like to do, uh, which we'll hopefully get to do this week, is we like to take one night and watch all the Christmas episodes of The Office. Um, we enjoy that and have, have a lot of good, good time. That brings us joy. Uh, maybe you're here and you like to listen to Christmas music. That can bring you joy. And we're now, it's December 16th. We can all agree it's socially acceptable to listen to Christmas music, right? But for the rest of us, we know it's been socially acceptable to listen to Christmas music since about October, right? Anybody with me? Because the first time I have to put on long sleeves and it's cold outside, I'm like, it's time. Christmas is here. Let's just fast forward and start listening to the Christmas music. That's what I like to do. There's one other thing in Christmas that, that I can experience joy from, and it's this. It's eggnog. Is anybody with me? Anybody like some eggnog? Anybody right now is thinking, you know, I skipped breakfast, but this would be a great, healthy, nutritious, maybe not substitute. Um, anybody in here like a cup of eggnog? Somebody, somebody over here, come up here. I'm going to pour you a cup of eggnog. I don't know who went woo, but come on. Because I can't see. Because I... Oh, yeah. Now, here, before, I'm not going to let her get, get away. I'm not going to just give this to you because I have to point out, this is Deanne. This is our pre-K teacher at the 930 hour. And Deanne does phenomenal. She has done such a great job, and I know our kids and our families love her. So I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm embarrassing you right now, maybe. But, but I'm going to give you some eggnog as a reward. So let's give her a hand. For those of you who don't like eggnog, we want you to know that you need that. It will give you more joy in the Christmas season and in life in general. <laughs> so I know that we can look around. We see the word joy on Starbucks cups, Christmas cards, billboards, everything this time of year. But I know that more than likely in a room this size, there are some of you here, here today who are struggling to find joy and I want you to know that there's no need to feel shame or guilt because you feel that way, because it can be difficult. There's no shame in that, but it's what we do with our emotions that determines who we're becoming. And so one of the things that we may feel stress this time of year, and that's robbing our joy. Maybe you're experiencing times of fear uh, this time of year. Maybe for you, you're dreading Christmas altogether because you know somebody is not going to be there this year, and you find that stealing your joy. Maybe you know that as you go to your family Christmas gathering, somebody will be there, and that is stealing <laughs> your joy. <laughs> Just be honest. Some of you are here, you're stressed, you're worried for whatever reason. We all have different things at different moments that can steal our joy. And one of the things that I stressed and worried about this week as I was preparing this talk is the fact that we have some amazing communicators that stand on this stage that speak. You know, our, our lead pastor, Todd, he just, he really pours out the word each week. He challenges us and he charts a course for us as a church and leads us so well. Last month, one of our good friends, Matt Moore, spoke, did a phenomenal job during the, during the poured out series, and I so enjoyed that. Colin Cook, our, our family's pastor, he gets to stand up here from time to time, and he always delivers a challenging word. And one of the things about Colin is he really lives out one of our core values, and it's this, that we find joy in the journey and we love to laugh. 
Now, if you know Colin, you'll know that he loves to laugh. And sometimes you actually know that Colin's in the vicinity because you get to hear that laugh. It's really awesome. And as you spend time around him, that laugh becomes contagious. You can't be around Colin and not smile. I mean, it brings so much joy in my own life that he loves to find joy in the journey. And one of the things is when he's up here teaching, he always has a funny story right? If you have never listened to our podcast, you need to go back and listen to these three guys. And and when you find one about Colin, you're going to find that he always has a funny story. They often involve a bathroom or lack of a bathroom at sometimes. And so I listen to these moments and I think, I want to I want to laugh. We all like to laugh. We all like to be in a group of friends or family. We like to tell a story that's funny and everybody's laughing. And I wanted to be able to share stories that maybe make somebody laugh. But what I come to realize is I want the story to tell, but I don't necessarily want the experience that leads to it. I don't know if you're right there with me. I want to be able to laugh, but I don't necessarily want the embarrassment or the pain that leads to the, to the story later on. And maybe you can relate today. You think, well, you know, I want to grow and I want to learn some life lessons and I want to gain some wisdom. But you know, I honestly don't necessarily want the experience that leads to it. Maybe right now your life seems full of adversity and little to no joy at all, especially in this Christmas season, and you would just like to experience some joy without a negative experience. But what I've come to learn is that joy, which is something so beautiful, it has to cost us something. See, whether it's joy or anything in life, if it doesn't cost us anything, then we probably do not value it at all. And so when we look at the Christmas story in Scripture, what we see is a situation that honestly was surrounded with adversity. Today we're going to look at this story through the eyes of a man named Joseph, who we would think he he planned out his life, he thought he was going to live a normal life, but his life was anything but normal. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1 today. You can Follow along in your Bible, your Bible app, or follow along on the screen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Joseph and Mary are betrothed. This is a legally arranged marriage by their parents. Now, some of you in here today, you're thinking, I wish we still did things this, this way. It would speed up the marriage process a little bit. Now, I want to be honest and say I'm very thankful that we don't do this this way. I have no disrespect to my mom or dad, but I think I could do a much better job in choosing my spouse. <laughs> Anybody with me? Um, here's the thing, because I found somebody who actually likes me back. It's crazy. I know if you see me and Blaine, you're like, how is this thing working out? I don't know. Almost 18 years we've been married, and she still loves me. Now, I will say this, and I try not to dwell on it too much, but she didn't wear glasses until after we were married. Um, but we're going to skip past that thought today. See, in this culture, marriages were arranged and contracts were negotiated. And at that time, when the contract was negotiated, then they were legally considered married. But here's what would happen, is the wife would actually go home with her parents' home, and she would remain there for a year. The man would go to his family's home, and he would remain for a year, and they would live separately, and this would be to demonstrate or signify the purity of the bride. 
And then at the end of the one year, the man would go get his wife, and they would do a, a march or processional, and they would begin their lives together. So Mary and Joseph are betrothed, but there appears to be a problem. See, Mary is pregnant, and the child is not Joseph's. And it's not that she's, she was unfaithful, because she was faithful, that she is miraculously pregnant with Jesus, the Messiah. And so we begin to see the process that, that Joseph goes through, beginning in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I mean, wouldn't we agree that Joseph is really in a less than ideal situation? This is probably not at all how he would have sat down and mapped out his life to look like. And at first, more than likely, he's probably heartbroken. He's thinking, how could this be? This is not at all what I wanted. I'm absolutely heartbroken. And even as he learned the truth, he may have been confused and, and even had a difficulty deciding what to do because he knew he had a difficult decision. Because see, even if he continued on with the marriage, people were going to talk. People were going to look at them differently. People were going to gossip. It doesn't take very long, even then, much less today, for word to travel in a negative situation. But it says this, Joseph being a just man. This just word means righteous. This word implies that he was a true believer in God who carefully tried to do what was right. And actually, we're going we're gonna to move on. And to Actually, before we get into verse 20, here's the thing. He had a couple of options. He had a couple of options here. He could do one of two things. First thing would, legally he could have done would have been to take Mary in front of the judge, in front of the magistrate, and have her sentenced to death. It would have been humiliating. It would have put her in front of everybody. Everybody would have known what was going on, what was taking place, whether they knew the truth or not. They would have looked at her negatively, and then they would have stoned her to death. He had option number two, which would have been this, to divorce her quietly. It would have been this thing where he could have got together two or three witnesses and just ended it quietly, simply, and it, he would have sent Mary away. And this, what he, at this moment, he intended to do. And this shows that Joseph was actually heartbroken. It wasn't that he was angry. Because if he was angry, he would have followed out the, the desire, the, the opportunity to stone her. But instead, he was looking for her best interest. But Joseph would discover a third option, and we see that in verse 20. It says, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, in this moment, Joseph is still really trying to figure out what to do. He's, he's heartbroken. He's trying to consider things. We see that in verse 20. It says, but as he considered these things. See, last week, Todd challenged us that there's a rhythm throughout the Christmas story. And it's not just a rhythm that we read in Scripture, but it's a rhythm that we are to model in our lives as well. And it's this, that we are to have urgent movement toward Jesus. And when we're there, we're to have intentional reflection with him. And so the question we need to ask ourselves today is, am I intentionally reflecting? That wasn't just a talk for last week for us to check off and keep going. This is the rhythm that we're to establish and practice in our life. See, this week here at Public Church, as a staff, we had um, staff evaluations. And so we had, had meetings scheduled. And in, in ours, I know in mine specifically, we talked about core values and behavioral values and ones that we were doing well and ones that we were struggling with. And, 
areas we needed to grow in. And I, I told them directly this, that I see one of the biggest things that God is currently teaching me is to, to follow our core value. We depend on God's limitless power through prayer. Because I believe it's one of the biggest things God's teaching me in my current season is that I can intentionally reflect and urgently move to Jesus, but I rush the process a lot. Sometimes I don't stand and linger with him and allow him to speak to me. And in those moments, I don't always depend on him through prayer. And so it's one of the greatest things that I'm, I'm learning in this moment because there's some areas that I really need God to show up in my life. And so in this moment, we see Joseph is intentionally reflecting. And when he does, he hears from God. The angel appears to him and tells him that to not be afraid. Why did the angel tell him to not be afraid? Because he was living in fear. That fear was stealing his joy. And in this moment, he knew his legal options, but in the back of his mind, he still thought, I still want to follow through and have her as my wife, but I'm scared. He didn't know what to do. The angel tells him that she is pregnant and the Son is of the Holy Spirit, and that you would name him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And that's exactly what he would do, is that Jesus would come and he would save his people from their sins by taking on our sin. And so if we move on down to verse 24, we see exactly what Joseph does, and it's this. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and she called his name Jesus. Joseph does exactly what he's told to do. And in fact, he actually breaks tradition in this moment because he takes Mary into his home ahead of schedule. He knew that this was the best thing for her because in his home, he could look out for her. He could take care of her. He could provide for her. He was able to go ahead and begin a life with her. And if we look at Luke's account, we see that there's more details of the birth and there's more adversity I think we talked about this last week is that, that when it came time to give birth, they had to travel. They had to go to Bethlehem for a census. And so taking pregnant Mary on a donkey was not the most, uh, e- that was not the easiest thing to do because I would prefer to call an Uber. I don't know about you. If I was going to have to take a journey like that, I would want to call an Uber, but this was not the way they could do it. It was a difficult situation. And once they get there, if that wasn't bad enough, there was nowhere for them to stay. And Mary had to give birth in a stable which is literally a cave for animals. It was not an ideal situation. And people would have looked at Joseph and said, Joseph, you're crazy. Why in the world would you follow through with this? You had an easy way out. You legally could have taken other options and went another way. And nobody would have blamed him because it wasn't the life that he would have planned for himself. But here's the thing. We can find joy in adversity when we choose obedience over logic. See, here's the thing. Logic tells us to take the easy way out. Logic tells us to go one way and follow what the world would say to do. And obedience says, hey, follow me. Jesus is saying, follow me in obedience. Logic says, do your own thing. Do the easy way. But we can find joy in adversity when we choose obedience over logic because this, it forces us to urgently move toward Jesus. See, if, you're being, if you think you're being obedient and you think you're following Jesus, but you're not growing closer to him and you're not following him, it may be that you're only doing what you want to do. You may be following logic. You may be following what you think is the best way out. And this wasn't the end of Joseph's adversity. If we move forward into chapter two, after his birth, we see that 
this group of men show up on the scene, this group of men known as magi or wise men. They came looking for Jesus. They knew he was going to be born. They came to worship him, and they followed the star. And see, the king at this moment, a man named Herod, he heard about this, and he was not happy because they were calling him the king of the Jews. They were calling Jesus this future king, and he, Herod himself, felt threatened. And so he called the wise men in and said, hey, when you find him, send word to me where he's at because I want to worship him too. But that's not at all his intention. He actually wanted to destroy Jesus. And we find out what happens in verse 13 of chapter 2. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose, took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt. So Joseph here finds himself in another difficult situation. If things hadn't been hard enough, now they had to wake up in the middle of the night, pack up, and flee for their lives. They had to flee to save the baby boy Jesus because in this moment, Herod finds out that the wise men don't go back, and they don't tell him where Jesus is at. So he sends out a decree to actually have all the baby boys ages two and under put to death. So Joseph is running for their lives in this moment. We see what happens when we move down to verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew the, to the district of Galilee. So King Herod has died. It would seem that everything is good now. They decide to go back, and he finds out another evil person. Herod's son named Archelaus is ruling in his place in this region. And so Joseph once again finds himself afraid. He finds himself scared, not sure what to do. And so the, the angel warns him to go to Galilee and settle there. And it seems that time after time, Joseph is faced with a less than ideal situation. This is more than just a bad day. Did anybody have a bad day this week? You may want to admit, I had a bad day this week. For some of you, maybe you overslept. The alarm didn't go off when you thought it would. or you, Nobody ever turns their alarm off while it's going off and go back to sleep, right? Maybe you turn the alarm off and you, you overslept and you're, you're running behind and traffic's terrible and you, you can't get your coffee like you want, maybe, and you're rushing through your day and... It just throws everything off, right? And then you, you spill your coffee on your jeans. And, but I had to say as a side note, if you spill coffee on yourself, it doesn't burn you and doesn't stain your clothes. Is it really a bad thing? Because then you smell like coffee the rest of the day. Maybe I'm just the only weird one that likes the smell of coffee. I don't know. But I could say that Joseph is having more than just a bad day. He's having a lot of difficult situations. And honestly, it does not look like his life had planned to look like. Maybe Joseph would, if he was here today, say, you know what? My life looks like a bunch of broken glass. Maybe my life look, would look like this vase full of shattered glass, broken, falling apart. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know, this is a good visual of what my life looks like. It's pretty, but it's not functional. It's broken. It's falling apart, and it's not the way it was originally intended to. See, some of you may be here today, you're, set, you're just dealing with all kinds of difficult circumstances, 
and you cannot find joy this season because of your brokenness. Maybe you're here today and you're like me. See, I deal with depression. It's one of these things that I've come to, to learn in the last year and a half that I deal with and, and honestly dealt with it for many years of my life, but I'm now seeing the truth behind it. And see, there can be days where I can be surrounded by people who love me, who speak truth into my life. They're saying all the right things, but it feels like I can't grasp it. It feels like, honestly, some days like I'm wearing a helmet or I'm in a fog and I, I can hear it, but it's all muffled and I can't really grab a hold of it. Maybe you feel like that today. And so when I, I think about my depression, and sometimes I look at that, I look at a, a, just several difficult circumstances we faced over the last several years. I look at this glass and I think, some days I just feel broken. Some days I can look at this glass and say, you know what, even if I poured it out, I tried to glue it back together, it's really unfixable. Some days I just feel like I'm unfixable. See, this vase is significant in our lives because Several years ago, we, my wife and I were going through a really difficult season of life. We had just lost her dad to suicide a few months prior, and I was in church ministry, and it was really struggling. See, I was a part of a, an incredible student ministry, and I was getting to invest in students' lives, and, and God was doing a great work there, but there were so many negative consequences and circumstances around it. It seemed that everywhere I turned, there was negativity. Nothing was ever good enough. I would work harder. It wasn't good enough. I would work harder in this area, and it just seemed like I couldn't do anything to please anyone. I would try to be a people pleaser, even though I knew that wasn't the right answer. Then that season, I started to, to actually lose my voice, not as in a physical losing my voice, but I just started to step back and say, you know what? I'm just not going to stand up for anything. I'm not going to stand up for truth because what good does it do? I can never please anybody. And we had this one really difficult Sunday, and disclaimer, I asked my wife for permission to share this whole story ahead of time, because if you know my wife, she's one of the sweetest, kindest people you ever meet. But one day, we were, we'd had a very difficult Sunday, and we were on the way home, and our emotions were rising and turned into an argument. Now, no, nobody, no married couple in here ever has an argument, right? And I know no married couple ever has an argument on a Sunday, Right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In this moment, we're driving home, we're talking about what had happened, and it just seems that our emotions are rising, it's escalating, we have this, we're having an argument, and we get home, and I don't remember anything that was actually said that day, but I remember in this moment, my wife grabs this candy dish, and she slams it down in her house, and our living room was actually covered in carpet, so if you're ever wondering, like, can you shatter glass on carpet? Yes, don't try. I promise you, it's a difficult situation to clean up afterward. But in this moment, she takes this candy dish and she slams it down, and I have a few thoughts, and the first one was, I'm a little scared of my wife. <laughs> and I start stepping away from the situation. I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> um, again, if you know her, you know this is nothing like her. Second thought I had was, I can no longer eat the candy that was in this candy dish because it has glass in it. I was really disappointed about that, I'll be honest. But the third thought I had was this, and I, I remember, I'll never forget the moment Belinda just walked out the front door. She went and sat on the front step of our porch, and she just buried her face in her hands and just squalled. And I remember sitting down, and I thought, I know our marriage is going to make it because we're pretty resilient there. But man, it feels like our lives are falling apart. I thought, man, it feels like our life is just broken. It feels like this broken glass. Like, 
is not the way I wanted it to look in many, in many ways. But what we did is we collected the glass, we put it in this vase, and we kept it as a visual reminder for the past several years that, you know what, it's okay that we have these emotions and it's okay that we feel this way. We cannot let it escalate to this. We can't let it escalate to a moment where, you know, we're slamming candy dishes, and I don't even know that we have another candy dish now, but, but we can't let it get to that point. But now over the years, I see this not only that way, but I see it in a couple of other ways. I see it now that, that God is picking up the broken pieces of my life, and he's starting to put it back together. And it's a continuous thing that's happening in me. He continuously is offering, offering restoration to me. And he's putting the broken pieces of my life back together in something I can display and I can tell a story to others. Hopefully it can be an encouragement of what I've experienced, but how God's never let go of me. Because I look at this and it would be easy for some people to say, well, where was God in the middle of this? Where was God in the middle of the living room that day when your emotions were, were high, you were heartbroken, you were frustrated? And I look at this glass and say, God was right there in the middle of it. God was right there. It's easy to look at this and, and just look at the circumstances but when I step back and I look for Jesus, I see that he was right there in the middle of it all along. I don't have to question where he's at. he is because as I intentionally reflect on him, I see that he is in the middle of everything. And not only that, we can look at what Scripture says. If we go back to chapter 1 of Matthew, in verse 23, it says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not only is he there in this moment when he came to earth, Jesus said at the end of Matthew, one of his final words before he went back to heaven, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I can look at it in scripture and see that Jesus promises he would be with me. And when I take my eyes off of my circumstances and I look to him, I see that he's right there in the middle of everything that I was facing then and anything that I'm facing today. So when I look at this broken glass, I know that he's right there with me. He's right there with you wherever you're at. And when I intentionally reflect on Jesus, I experience joy. And not only do I experience joy, but I'm able to experience his healing. And here's what I've learned is that without adversity, we can't experience God's healing. See, if you ask me, is, is the pain worth it? Are the situations you've experienced worth it? I'd say yes, because without the pain, without the adversity, I can never experience God's healing in the same way. And maybe for you today, you're thinking, I don't want the pain. I just want the lesson on the backside of it. I just want the story afterward. Maybe just maybe the pain you're experiencing is so you could experience God's healing and God's hand on a deeper level today. I wish I could have gained the story, the lesson a different way. I wish it could have been easier. I wish it could still be easier today. But my appreciation for Jesus is growing. My love for him is growing. And I'm learning in this moment and continually to be more and more dependent on him. There's a currently, there's still a lot of ways I need God to show up in my life. But here's what I know. When I look back at the broken glass and I see that he was really faithful and present in that, I know that he's going to be faithful and present in my future. But I know he's faithful and present today, right now. And I know that for you, I don't know your circumstances and I don't know your situations, but I know that he is very present with you today. He is very present in this moment and he is asking you to look to him 
and to take his hand and to dwell on the God who is Emmanuel, God with us. See, I think if we were able to ask Joseph today, was the adversity worth it? I think he would say yes. And so we're going to end this moment with a couple of songs, but not because that's just what we do every week, but because we need some time to intentionally reflect. So my question for you is today, will you in the midst of your current circumstances and your current situations, will you reflect on Jesus? And as you approach him today, would you invite him into your mess? And would you invite him into your brokenness? Maybe you would invite him into the very mess that you could be in today. Because see, a lot of times what we do is we approach God and we come and we bring the best parts of ourselves to him. Sometimes we leave the messy parts behind because we're thinking, you know, he isn't really interested in that. Or maybe if I just leave that aside, I can fix it myself. And what we do is we create more brokenness and more of a mess. So today, would you invite him into all of your mess? Would you invite not only Jesus into it, but would you invite others? See, a few months ago, as I was, I was struggling with depression, I was in my counselor's office one day and we were talking and and he said, Nathan, do you feel the freedom to share and be open and honest with the people that you're around? And I said, you know, I feel the freedom, but I don't want to be a burden. I said, you know, I don't want to open up and, and give more on them because they're already carrying their own burdens themselves. And he stopped me in that moment. And he said, Nathan, you have to be open and honest with other people about where you're at right now. Because when you do, not only will you experience God's healing, that you will give them an opportunity to open up and be honest with you about where they're at. And maybe that's the very thing that they need. And so maybe you're here today and there's somebody you just need to come to and say, hey, I'm broken, I'm, I'm messy, but I need somebody to walk with me through it. And that may be the very invitation that they need to walk back with it, walk with you in their mess. See, a lot of times our urgent movement is to go away from the brokenness, to move away from the mess, and just to try to ignore it. But what if today we approach the mess, we approach the brokenness, and we invited Jesus into every aspect of our lives? Because when we do, I believe that we can find joy, not only in this Christmas season, but just in our lives in general. So as we sing and as we pray, invite him to where you're at today. God, as we come before you, I thank you so much that, that you're constantly and continually picking up the broken pieces of my life and that you offer that same restoration and healing for everybody here today. God, I thank you that you brought Jesus to earth, that you, he is Emmanuel, God with us, not only in that time, but he is right here today in the midst of where every single person is at, in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their adversity. God, you're right there asking and desiring for them to just reach up and take your hand. And I pray that, that people today in here would call you out into their mess and they would invite others to be a part of it as well. So Lord, as we, we sing to you, Lord, we thank you that you offer peace. And I pray that you would supernaturally give peace in this group of people to those who are in need of it today. It's in Jesus' name I pray.